Sales Jacks and Jills. Welcome to the Sales Jacks podcast. I am your co-host, Paul Greenberg, also known as the sales guy with a tie. Sad to admit, but I have been in sales, sales management, or sales operations now for over 23 years. Every industry you can think of, specifically though, business equipment, dental, medical, and everything in between with a little bit of entrepreneurial mix in there as well. And I'm the pretty half of this podcast, Kelly Meyer. I'm the sales dude with an attitude and I've been in sales for well over 25 years. I've sold everything from my body to health club memberships, beer, advertising, and now I sell Texas land. We put together sales jacks to discuss topics that we think are important. Your job is to sell, sell, sell. Sales professionals touch every industry and it's our job to make sure that you are better in your careers. We don't want you just to be a sales professional living sale to sale, paycheck to paycheck. Our goal is to turn you into sales jacks and jills to help your career really take off. If you feel this show adds value to your life, guys, please consider liking, sharing, giving it a rating in the podcast app. You obviously know how valuable referrals are. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. And most importantly, guys, thank you for selling. Let's go. All right, Seals, Jackson, Jills, I want to take a moment to welcome you back. I've got Paul here to my side. Paul, say hi to the nice ladies and gentlemen at home. Hello, hello. I missed you guys. I missed Kelly too, but I missed the, the audience a lot more than you, Kelly. Yeah, but if you guys didn't know, uh, Paul records from Las Vegas. Here's the thing. I'm far away from all that stuff, and I just record from a place that looks like a regular neighborhood. But yes, from uh, definitely Clark County here in Nevada. Yeah, so we're, we're trying to decide who's got it hotter today, but uh, and I'm in Texas, and I can assure you it hit 100, so there we are. Did it? Really? Yeah. It's crazy. We were at 64 today for our high. We ain't messing around. No, but it's coming yeah. soon. We're also not messing around with this podcast today. I came to talk about something that is important to me, and I'm excited about the content. I'm hoping that I'm able to do a good enough job to get that message across and inspire you to teach all the sales Jackson Jill how to be better in their career. You ready for this? I can't wait. I can't wait. All right, so we hear a lot in sales that we're responsible for our own business. And uh, there's a lot of people that even just consider it your, your book of business. That's a term you use a lot. And that we're entrepreneurs. And, and some of us actually are 1099. Some of us are responsible for our own paycheck. And some of us are kind of abandoned by the company. But the question I want to ask, and the one I'm hoping you can help us answer, Paul, is are we all really entrepreneurs? I think the answer is going to be a deep one. So get your notepads out, Jackson Jills. I think if you're serious about your business, your company, where you work, you are absolutely an entrepreneur, or you at least have to bring an entrepreneurial spirit to that territory, to that patch, to that assignment that the company's given you. And I don't care if you're W2, 1099, contract sales, whatever it is. Yeah, I think we're all entrepreneurs. And if we're not, we're probably losing. All right, well, so I would agree with you, and I appreciate you backing me up, because I also like to disagree with you, but today I'm hoping you're on my team a little bit. Oh, that's uh, nice. <laughs> um, Beautiful. But anyways, I, so I agree, you, you, not only do you need to do that, I am going to challenge everyone listening to look at your business, your day-to-day, um, -day, and, and see if you're behaving that way. And so the reason that I brought this up is, like all the best content, I got the inspiration for today's show from a conversation I had with another salesperson recently. And uh, I think it reminded me to remind us all that we come to this journey from different corners of the globe, first of all. So my perspective, your perspective as uh, retired business owners or business alumni or recovering brewery yeah. owners, as I call myself. <laughs> some of us Tragic. walk, some of us fly, and, and there's even some of us that appear to teleport. Uh, that's always the way I've seen your sales career. You, you fucking kill it everywhere you go. But like that. But yes. Yeah, so, but true sales jacks and jills like us can learn from and take inspiration to teach from anywhere multiplied by everywhere. So, 
I'm talking to this guy on the phone, right? And I mentioned to him that I'm in four MLS services in Texas. And he says something along the lines of like, wait, what? What do you pay like $1,000 a quarter for that? And I was shocked. I mean, it was literally, to me, I thought that everybody did. I thought that was the concept because I was a member of one. I saw the return on the investment. I was a member of two. I saw the return on investment. I realized right. that I could market these different places. And when I did the math, I made 100 times that for the quarter. And so what I realized is that as a recovering entrepreneur, I had a totally different perspective. And so that's the perspective that I want to bring to the listeners today. And I want to see if we can kind of understand that where, what would this guy have thought was acceptable, right? Like if I was spending 500, is that normal? If I was spending 2000, what, what's the logic there? And, and if I was spending $2,000 a quarter and I was making 400,000, why would I give a shit, right? My goal for this topic too, is I really want to find a way to make sure that everybody who works in corporate sales, whether it be medical, dental, equipment, it doesn't matter, right? That they can also get a good pull away from this as well, because I think it's all applicable. And one unique thing that I think I've always told people that I bring to the table and it's unique, it's different that you don't find everybody is that I do have entrepreneurial experience, right? I was responsible for making my own paycheck just like you were. And that gives you a different dimension and a different appreciation for what you bring to your company. So as a corporate salesperson or somebody who's employed W2, I think there's a lot of nuggets in this. Um, and I'm excited to go on this journey here with Kelly today because this is, this is going to be deep. Before we get started though, Kelly, there's one cliche term that I cannot stand and I don't think I've ever told you what it is. Oh, let's but once go. I say this, you're going to literally be like, oh man, I hate when people say that too. Maybe. I hate when people look at me and say, well, you got to spend money to make money because the dude who says that has never spent his own money to actually make the money. That's like a corporate sales guy who's pissed off that his company won't invest in like a trade show that he saw because it's like $100,000 to be there. But we all know that the return isn't going to even be close to that, right? So in all fairness, as long as we don't use the cliche term, you got to spend money to make money. I'm okay with talking about investing entrepreneurially in ourselves. Let's go. Yeah. Well, in the brewery industry, I turned that on its head a little bit. I, mine was, you have to spend money to lose money. And so <laughs> it was yeah. the opposite side of the coin. But let's talk uh-huh. about that for a minute. So the entrepreneur side, Paul, I'm going to ask you to go down memory lane. You can skip, you can hopscotch. I don't give a shit how you did to get there, but let's turn back the clock a minute. Can you, do you remember what the monthly investment looked like? In other words, like what did it, what did you have to generate each month to get a paycheck yeah. and how much was that paycheck on average? So back in the day, and again, this is almost what, decade plus ago. So, you know, factor in inflation, whatever it is. But I would tell you that each club that we had would generate a gross revenue of about 300 grand. And the take home on that was anywhere from 90 to 115, depending on the month and the seasonality of the, of the fitness club. So, I mean, for me, we were literally pulling in 300, taking out about 100 every single, every single year on those clubs, um, which again, works out to about what, 33%? Yeah, 30, 33% return. But so that's the, one of the perspectives that I wanna educate some of the sales jacks and jills who haven't owned a club or owned a business of any sort, hopefully not a health club, but is that uh, not as much oh, fun today as it was back then? No, <laughs> but, man. But, Run for the hills. But so basically what you're saying is you had to generate 10 bucks to be able to put three in your pocket. So yeah. now turn that on your head and you left and you went into corporate America and you, you have to spend what to make what? You know what I mean? Like that has been flipped yeah. in a sense, completely upside down. And a lot of people I know of don't invest anything. But for you, what does that what does that look like? Well, you know, I'll tell you, I think when I was carrying a bag for the last company that I've worked for, I would tell you that my investment really came in the form of my emotional and mental and time capital, right? So 
how much time extra would I go ahead and pour into my business, my patch, my uh, my my business, my franchise, right, that I was working at for the company to go ahead and edify and make myself better? And I would have people always ask me, like, man, how are you so good at this? Like, like how did you get to be where you're at in this? How come you're, you're doing so well and you understand the business so well? And I would always tell people, instead of spending time on social media or instead of spending time doing other things that most people maybe find enjoyable, I'm spending time reading American Journal of Medicine articles or reading highlights of uh, cytology or, or laboratory economics. I wanted to know what was going on in my business because I knew that if I knew what was going on in my business and the client's business, that that made me a better salesperson. So my investment really was in the craft and the career. And I don't know if people are investing in their career the way they should be today. Well, hopefully if they aren't, they will be. Let's run with that. So do you remember one of the things when you had left is you had told me that you were going full health insurance, full PTO, full 401k, and you were gonna you were gonna stop having to generate ten bucks to make three, and you were gonna yeah. let the company do some of that for you. Like, do you remember how much your income went up at that point? I mean, I have to laugh. I think my income arguably went up a little bit. I think it went down sometimes from <laughs> leaving that entrepreneurial space. But I do think that that's it's interesting because you're right. I mean, people don't think about the investment that is made on their behalf when they are an employee of another company, right? When you do look at that 401k match or the PTO or any of that stuff. So you're right. But And I would tell you, I think depending on which direction you go, oftentimes people do maybe take a pay cut to not be their own boss, right? Yeah, but you have the security and the guarantee. And at the end of the day, the point that I'm making is that let's say you make 150 grand you don't have to make, let's do the math. 300, 400, I don't know. I, gener- I, I generate that. You don't have to make 450 for you to bring home 150, right? And I will say this, I think that there is something, I mean, because what you're describing too, Kelly, and, and I, again, I don't know if people think about this, there's a risk for that reward, right? I Big mean, time. I have to believe that I shaved off maybe, eh, maybe 4.9 years of my life having to sit there and stress on how was I going to make payroll? How was I going to make sure that the 401k got funded? How was I going to make sure that everybody could have their PTO and I'd be able to cover it? So, I mean, there is a, there is a risk reward balance there. And that's just something you don't have to own when you're not uh, an entrepreneur or actually working for yourself. But I still think you can bring entrepreneurial aspects to your business that will make you better, like investing in yourself, like investing in your craft, like spending more time on the things that are gonna make you a better rep or a better salesperson overall. Absolutely, agreed. And I think that some of those things you're gonna invest in, the point of it isn't just to continue to make you money or make you better at your job or or to free up time, which also are important. But there comes a point where you just can't earn more. You can't, you're an amazing salesperson, but you still only got two hands in one mouth. You you just, if you wanted to, you couldn't call an extra 100 prospects tomorrow. You couldn't visit 50 more offices next week or run down 15 more referrals in the last hour. I wouldn't say you're stuck, but I would say for you to double your top line next year and take four weeks off, you might be screwed. So. Yeah, I'll say this much though, because for the people that are listening that do work for companies, I think let's talk about being entrepreneurial with your business, right? Most large companies give you a good CRM. They give you good data, but I want all the sales Jacks and Jills that are listening right now, ask yourself, have you mastered that CRM? Are you really extracting and leveraging everything that that offers to you so that you can maximize your time in the field? If you're not, then the entrepreneurial investment for you is to actually take some time, not during prime selling hours, but take some personal time to get to know that CRM better, right? If your company has provided data lists to you that you don't have to buy, that you don't have to invest in personally yourself, does it make sense for you to go ahead and invest 
your time to go ahead and extract as much data that you can so that you can make your territory more efficient, earn more, and invest in your own patch, right? That's the thought process for me when I look at most corporate jobs and being entrepreneurial with them. Absolutely. And there's, there's a ton of ways to do that. Obviously, you can watch videos. You can, you can meet with someone who also uses it. Normally, the company is going to have some sort of training program, too, within it for the CRM. But even so this week, if, for example, I decided and last week, I'm taking every single MLS class that I can. And so in real estate, we have like the multiple listing service and there's it's a computer that basically has all the information for every property ever sold for at least the last few decades, whenever they put it in there, everything currently on the market, how long it's been on the market, every realtor is in there. It's it's a gold mine basically, and and we pay you know a hundred bucks a quarter for each one. And I had been using it. I knew I was using it well. I did things with it, but I also knew that I was scratching the surface. And so I've been taking these remedial courses, and I have learned something in every single one. I spent four hours today prospecting through that system from something I had learned um, on Monday on how to use it. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, even in my role that I'm in now, supporting a large sales organization through an operational aspect, when I talk to our field reps and I ask them, like, hey, did you know about this feature? Did you know about this feature or different things? It's amazing how many don't know and how many haven't seen it. And again, I think it's because people don't sit there and say, you know what, I've been given this tool, but I need to go ahead and invest probably 10 hours of my week to figure this out, let me figure it out better and let me leverage it more so that I can increase my business. And if people did half that, five hours investment, I think they would also see a noticeable jump. And it's not just for CRMs, but it's also for data lists. It's for understanding your business more. I mean, how many how many people seriously invest their personal time right now to better understand the questions that their clients are asking them? I, I just, I don't know. You know, Sales Jackson Jills, do you treat your business like it's your own franchise, like it truly is your own patch and your own business that you run? If the answer is no, we want to talk about ways to go ahead and do that. And I think one of the biggest things, again, that's worth the most, I tell people this all the time, the number one thing, most valuable thing as a salesperson and as a human, I think actually, Kelly would probably agree, <laughs> the, uh, the mindful maniac that he is, our time. Your time is what's most valuable. So are you going to invest that time, not all of it, but are you gonna invest enough of it to increase your craft, to get better at what you do? And if the answer is no, maybe you're not fully sold out for your career. Maybe you think, maybe you're looking at your uh, your employment like it's more of a job versus a true career. And, and uh, again, if that strikes a chord for folks, leave it in the comments, talk to us about it. Yeah, wanna hear it, give us the feedback for sure. All right, so I will always admit that I'm a big mouth guy with a lot of words inside of it. And so obviously I've taken a long <laughs> way to get through the park to get to the point, but we now find ourselves at the heart of that point. So. What I want to discuss today is how to invest in the right things, how to make your sales career take off, right? That's the point. So maybe more importantly, where you should be putting money and time each month. And so what's the yeah. best return on that investment? I'm a little parched. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I'd like to get into some specifics and logistics of how to do that and incorporate that into your career. That cool with you, Paul? Breaky break, break, break. Can't wait to see you guys on the other side. All right. Hey, Sales Jackson Jills. Are you still using post-it notes and spreadsheets to manage your leads and tasks and incoming and outgoing calls? Well, you need to get a customer relationship management software. And if Salesforce was paying me, I'd tell you to use them, but they're not, so I didn't. All right, welcome back, guys. I, I wanna take a quick second just to thank everybody sincerely from the bottom of my heart. All you Jackson Jills for listening and sticking around and putting up with me. Side note, my wife always says I'm not an easy guy to love. And so I appreciate the time each of you share with us. And Paul, most of all, I appreciate the fact that you uh, allow me to banter back and forth with you. 
Where would I want to be other than right here, right now? You know what the answer to that is? Nowhere. Okay. I love it. I'm proud of it. So here we go. Paul, one of the things you've always told me is that you like to have your applicants write a business plan. Now, I, I've told you before, I don't totally agree with this, but I like where your head's at with it. I want to ask you, is that an idea you got from Xerox? You know, I didn't get it from Xerox because Xerox is where I cut my teeth on circa 1999. Don't anybody try to do the math on how old I am now, but I got it after I left Xerox and I actually saw a lot of recruiters that would recommend to do that for your interviews. But I will tell you, as goofy as it was for applicants and doing it there, I really wonder how many people are actually writing business plans for their own territories right now. I'm not talking about the one where your boss says, hey, we need you to write a business plan. I'm asking every sales Jack and Jill, or maybe the ones that aren't at Jack and Jill level yet, pre-Jack, pre-Jill. What I want to know is this, who's orienting themselves by creating a business plan? No one's going to write it for you. So what, what compass, what GPS are you going to use for your territory and your own business entrepreneurially to guide you and get you where you need to get? I think the answer to that is a business plan. Do I like it for applicants, Kelly? It's fine. Do I like it once you're in a territory and you're moving? Yeah. I mean, and again, Jackson Jills, when's the last time you wrote a business plan that your boss didn't ask you for? If the answer is I don't remember or too long ago, you probably need to go ahead and dial one in now. Reach out to me via email. I'm happy to give you a, a sample one, guys, too. Yeah, well, so I'm curious, like, what do you expect, look for, or have you ever seen uh, a monthly investment by the candidate? And the reason I ask that is, is, is there a budget line item in this quote-unquote business plan that calls for some of the things I'm going to go over here in a minute, like CRM, software, professional development, email service, industry membership? Are they budgeting that in? Do you see that? Usually I see most people who budget some type of sales or self-help type of budget for themselves annually. Now, it's not anything riveting or crazy, right? But that could depend on the level of candidate you're interviewing. But I think most people are interested in budgeting something to invest in themselves. I just don't know how much. That's always the X factor, right? What are they really willing to invest in to go ahead and get their career to the next level? Yeah, well, that's part of what we're here to talk about today. So, I want to talk about some specific things that you can do. And so one of the things I'm not going to do on this particular episode is I'm not going to give brands particularly of who they should go through and why. But if you have a specific referral that you want from us on a specific topic, absolutely shoot us an email. It's in the uh, closing thing at the end. I'll stick around long enough and you'll be able to find out how to get in touch with us. So let's start with CRM. So you mentioned that one earlier. And obviously that is a thing that many companies provide. And obviously I think you would agree with me. I think it's not only invaluable that it is impossible to reach certain levels of revenue and, and targets yeah. without it. I just don't see how you could. Now, I'm a huge believer in CRM. And here's the thing. If you're an entrepreneur or you're a contract salesperson and you don't have access to a CRM, I mean, you could make a spreadsheet, right, that has call cadence in it to give you a, a jogger. You can go ahead and use your calendar to go ahead and put proper follow-up notes. A lot of these CRMs now have features that you can actually piecemeal together for yourself if you're not interested in spending the money on it. But again, you can, are you going to spend the time to do that? I don't know. You can get entry-level ones that aren't expensive. So you don't need a full suite that does a lot of different things. You don't have to be able to call from it necessarily. And that's my point. So my point is if you don't have it at work, do not use that as an excuse to not have one. I think that is a ridiculous play, and I think it's irresponsible. You need to have something to organize your time and schedule your day. And if you have one at work, leverage the heck out of it and make sure you are extracting every bit of value that your company is investing in you for that so that you can be better than your competitors and also better than even your cohorts. Yeah, well, think of it that way, right? So we're both out there in the market, two guys selling real estate side by side. 
Um, you're in competition with me. I'm using the shit out of my CRM. It schedules everything. I've got it scheduled for phone yeah. calls, emails. It tells me when I'm supposed to take texting and, and it does automatic cycles for me. And so I assure you side by side, I will beat you every time because I'm using it. So you need to get one. For the record, I never, ever wanted to compete with Kelly and I never <laughs> had to. So what about like uh, other softwares? And so this is one that I think is interesting because, you know, I've used Illustrator before when I was in the gym business. I, I used it when I was making my labels and different flyers and things. And now that I'm in real estate, I, I know how to use it. I'm able to create my own things. And I'm one of the only people in the company that can effectively do that. So I've got an edge. Uh, when I send a, a thing out, it's not just going to be a picture. I've got my logo on there, my phone numbers on there. I've right. written interesting little things about each particular piece of property. So I'm adding to it and I can do that quickly and easily because of that. I think those things are invaluable. And if you're just doing it with word, you almost make it worse. No, it's the same thing with the podcast though. Like so with the podcast, I could I could literally just send an email with a little link of what I needed to have on there with advertising contract. But instead I made it a PDF, I put it in DocuSign, I have it officially signed. It looks professional, the invoice comes through, they know I'm not just yeah. a fly by night idiot. And that's something that again, your company I'm sure provides these resources for their employees, but not every company does. And if you don't have it provided for you, that's not an excuse not to use it. I have to laugh, man. DocuSign, I think that's a really intriguing one. There's so many things that require signature these days. And guys, think about this too. As you're in your business, whether it be W-2, 1099, contract, or whatever you want to call it, the rest of your life keeps going too, right? So I think it's critical to find ways to leverage stuff, even in your personal life, to go ahead and move your patch or your business forward, right? So if you're not using DocuSign to take care of business stuff or even personal stuff to go ahead and free up more of your time to do business stuff, then I think you're also really not leveraging the stuff that's out there. And a lot of these things are free. There's tons of these signing documents or apps that you can use, but that's just a couple of them. Yeah, well, it also makes the sale quicker, right? So if you've got to try to meet somebody up to get a hand signature and or just have them scan it and reply to you, it's just all these barriers to getting the sale done. You know what I mean? And don't do that. Any any opportunity you can to, to move that along. If it costs you 10 bucks a month, bro, not It's up. worth it. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, my last company didn't give us DocuSign accounts, obviously, but we had them, but they didn't give us DocuSign accounts. So every time they'd ask for a signature, I'd be on the phone with some of the reps and they're telling me like, oh yeah, I got to stop and print that document. We got to acknowledge and then I'm going to sign it. And then I got to find a way to scan it back and all the, and I'm like, really? Yeah. It took me like a minute, like, cause I bought my own DocuSign and actually guys, I think DocuSign gives you like three free sends or something. And then after that you pay. So, but again, I invested in some type of a, of a tool to be able to help me and to be able to make my business that much better and faster so that I could do more field time instead of more administrative time. So you mentioned professional development earlier, and that's a big one for me too. And obviously I'm that guy who not only do I listen to podcasts and read books, I obviously now have podcasts. So obviously yes. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of it. So now, books, they're cheap at the end of the day. You don't want to read. You can listen. There's a bunch of ways to do the books. Like, How do you handle that, Paul, Like, your, your continuing education? You know, when I look at continuing education, I look first to see what the company offers, and then I go ahead and supplement that or be adjunct to it. So I, I have to laugh. There was a rep that I was talking to the other day. She will remain nameless. She mentioned, you know, I'd really like more training on this and that. And it was, you know, a distinct X and Y that she was asking for training on. And it's something that really isn't something we've ever provided. And that quite honestly, I don't really don't know if we need to provide. So I just asked, I was like, well, you know, there's a lot of like used books, websites these days. Like, have you ever thought of like just Googling books or Googling some of the items that you need and see if you can get it for four or five bucks here and there? We're talking about making investments, Kelly, as an entrepreneur. 
a four or five dollar book to get you the training you need or a course right that you can buy online for a hundred bucks or less it's just not going to break your bank right and the fact that some people aren't even resourceful enough to actually go that direction and they're just waiting for the company to do it as you mentioned earlier you're gonna be waiting a long time well and so many people get free access to industry trade shows they're flown out they're put up in hotels and they just use the opportunity to get shit faced and try to hook up with the hot chick from the East Coast office. Like these are opportunities. It says a lot yeah. about who you are as a person that you squander that opportunity instead of making yourself better in your career, getting the connections in a positive way instead of becoming uh, too close to some people you probably shouldn't. You know, use those opportunities to become better at your job. There's always an education component. There's always networking. You mentioned online certifications, courses. Real estate has a ton of them too. And a lot of times you can get a percentage raise based on like wh- which ones you have in your job. Is there a certification or is there some sort of extra schooling that either the company would pay for or they would pay you because you have? Yeah, you're right. A lot of times you can get that. I mean, I've always seen that in education, right? Where the more certifications or education you get, obviously that can go ahead and affect your pay and the pay level that you're at. But I think even with like true courses, or even referral groups, networking groups. I'll tell you right now, I started paying the LinkedIn for the extra services on it because I wanted to have better access and better ways to communicate with connections when I was carrying a bag, right? So Mm -hmm. I wanted to know as many physicians as possible. I wanted to know as many hospital CEOs, CFOs, COOs as possible. So by paying that, I was able to send messages more directly. And I, I don't remember how much it cost, but here's the thing. If I had one contract that panned out, it was gonna pay for itself 20 times over. So I wasn't too worried about it. But even in network and referral group, here's the thing, I'm talking to sales jacks and jills right now. If you are in a business, like a community that you know is heavy with associations or even a chamber of commerce, are you not gonna spend the 100 bucks, 150 bucks, whatever the heck it's gonna be for you to go to those uh, networking events, for you to go to those meetings and those ribbon cuttings? I mean, you gotta think about this. You gotta be in front of people for them to know who you are. And we've talked about this before, Kelly, seven times. I will do anything I can humanly do to get in front of people at least seven times, right? As quickly as possible. So what are people doing to go ahead and invest in networking or in referral type groups? And again, the one that comes to mind for me is Chambers of Commerce. But I'll tell you right now, I'm at the point in medical where when I'm talking to reps, I'll ask them, hey, is there a group of gynecologists that meet on a monthly basis? Is there a group of dermatologists that meet on a monthly basis? What type of groups are you trying to get to be a part of that you can either listen to lectures or be a part of that group so that you can go ahead and try to advance yourself? Sometimes the answer is yes, I am. Sometimes the answer is I haven't thought about that. So (laughs) there's your free one, guys. Think about your target, your customer base, and figure out if there are associations, groups, community, professional or otherwise that you can sponsor, support, or be a part of whether your company wants to support it for you or not. These are not expensive investments. Well, they're one of those referral groups. I actually remember I went to one and it was a fantastic design. The idea was you had to refer people to each other within the group. Otherwise you, I don't know if you got in trouble with some sort of demerit or whatever. And uh, I think it was, it was expensive for what it was. It was like 150 bucks a month. And I remember at the time kind of looking at it and I was in beer and I was, you know, my average customer value was X. The number of referrals was going to be Y. It just, it didn't make sense. But if you make a thousand bucks, 5,000 bucks, 10 grand on the life of a customer, that's pocket change at that point. Yeah, like, it doesn't matter. So it's again, it's an ROI question. And, and if you're in an industry that you make that kind of return, then you just need to not even think about the expense side of these, at least not until you've given it a chance. Give it six, 12 months, and if you're not making money back on it, but I bet you would. No, and newsflash, guys, get with your accountant, find out what things you'd be able to go ahead and write off. Because I can tell you right now, even though I work for a corporation, 
and they pay for the majority of my things. If I go out and do things for my own professional self, there are things you can go ahead and write off because I'm furthering my business, right? Yeah. Jackson Jills, get ready for this next segment. After the break, you're going to hear some serious items and some amazing things that are really going to allow you to go ahead and put your business to the next level, but you got to stick around. We'll see you in a minute. Hey, Sales Jackson Jills. I'd like to informally give you a formal invite to check out my first podcast, How Not to Start a Damn Brewery. After a decade of pain and suffering, I wrote a book and started this podcast to be the lone voice of reality in an industry pretending it's packed with unicorns and rainbows. I autopsy dead and dying breweries and talk to anyone inside and outside the industry that I think can shed a little light on how not to start a damn brewery. No matter what industry you're in, you'll learn something valuable. You'll hear dramatic stories of struggle and loss and get to hear me on a little worse behavior than I am on sales jacks. So listen wherever you get your favorite podcasts like this one, and I'll hopefully see you soon. Well, and so email marketing service was another one. We talked about CRM, and CRM does a lot of that for you. But if you're in a situation where the CRM is owned by the company, many times they consider those leads to also be owned by the company. And so what I have always done since the days I had gyms is I had my own email marketing list, and I've continued throughout the years to market to them. Well over 10,000 people on that list now, and I own those leads. If I leave my company, get fired, get laid off, or just get lazy, I've still got those leads, and they, they travel with me. So... I believe you should always have that email marketing service on your own. I think a couple of them are free up to a certain point. I spend, I think, I think I spend a hundred bucks a month now because I have 10,000 leads. Wow. Yeah, you're right. It did grow. The, the price grows with the amount of, of contacts. And I hope that all of you sales jacks and jills out there have plenty of contacts. If you don't, we got to get them in somewhere. <laughs> Call Paul. He'll send you his list. What about better promo items? You know, like again, you're in a big company. You've got a brand. Probably not going to let you print your own things, but if you're not and you just have these cheesy business cards, could you spend 40 bucks to get some badass business cards that really represent you differently and when you walk in, you're the most interesting person in that room? So funny you say that. We actually had a period of time where we had these really neat business cards that were radically different than everybody else's and we had to go away from them because I think there was an issue with, I don't know, something with the color or the print and the way it represented the brand or whatever. But I will tell you, if you have a way of getting a different business card and don't just do a different size Jackson Jills, like get like a plastic one or get one that is square or oval, something that is going to stand out or be different. It's going to have that much more staying power. I always make the joke. I think business cards traditionally go into the round filing cabinet, aka the trash. Um, and I think when they're a little bit more unique, I mean, I literally had people who would look at me and be like, I love this business card. I'm going to keep it just because I've never seen one like this before. And I'm like, yeah, you keep it. And here's an extra one. Give it your boss. Back before the internet too, you'd have like something on the back. And so there was a time when I remember getting a business card that was a conversion chart. And I was just like, simplest thing ever, but you couldn't Google how many ounces are in a gallon. I like that. What is it? What could you put on the back? Is it a call to action? Is it a, something interesting? Is it a silly picture? Whatever that's going to get the conversation started and keep the relationship Absolutely. growing. Mileage tracking app is another one. I think you use one, don't you? We do. I have um, talked to people who still write yeah. these down manually. <laughs> What a waste of time. Yeah, most of these companies now actually have a decent way to go ahead and do that. You know, the other thing I want to talk about is looking at assistance. Are people interested in getting assistance to help themselves out? I know of a company and I was talking to the executives there and they told me that their top rep and the top sales rep was doing close to $800,000 a year sales rep. Okay. Mm -hmm. She actually invests in a private jet service to get her to all of her accounts that are remotely away. I think she covered Florida. So she was going to the Keys or going to like Tampa, other places, right? She invested in a private jet that would go ahead and get her to these places because she knew that the quicker she could get back to home base or to other clients, 
Yeah. She continue making more money. And maybe instead of doing 800 a year, maybe she'd get to nine. Maybe she'd get to a million, right? So I think that's one piece. But what about an assistant? If you find yourself as a sales rep just being too bogged down with stuff, there are companies now, there are websites, there are apps where you can get people to help you with certain tasks just for that task itself, where they'll bid on it, say, I need help putting all these things in a spreadsheet. I wanna know this, 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 and that, how much? And people will bid on it. They'll say, I'll do it for you 15 bucks, right? So there are apps and there are websites like that that can act as a an assistant for you on a per job basis if it's something that you don't wanna invest in either part-time or full-time. Yeah, that's how a lot of the big people in real estate have gotten to where they are too, is they'll like get to a point and then they hire an assistant to take phone calls. They hire a transaction coordinator to handle the minutia of the escrow accounts. and so. You start stacking you all these things together and all of a sudden you turn out, holy crap, I'm doing 25 million a year. And you know, the return is just amazing. So at that point, again, who cares what you're spending if you're, if you're making five, six, $700,000 a year, 10 grand after the year doesn't sound like much. So, so what about faster phone, laptop, tablet? You know, like this is one of those things that for me, when I started in real estate, I had an old phone and it was a big deal to me that I did not want a new phone for new phone's sake. It just bugged me to be that guy who had to have the gadget <laughs> to show off with the three circles on the back. Cause my camera is so fan. badass. But what I found out is I couldn't load the Google Earth KMZ file that we had into my phone to be able to, in real time, walk the property and see the lines. It would crash all the time. I got a new phone. I literally got a sale the next day because the person was like, holy, that's badass, let's walk around. You know, is it always gonna return the investment? No, and and is having a brand new laptop necessarily great? I will tell you that it is for me because again, it, it made all my things sync together in a way that I was, 10 times more efficient than I was on my old laptop before I started, so. I love this one because I will tell you that I have seen reps, not my current company, but in other companies that I had worked for were just the hardware you got, it was good, but it wasn't good enough, right? Now, if you work for a metal company, be careful with HIPAA and that kind of stuff, fair warning. But if you're not working for a medical company and there's no policies that prohibit that, I know people who are Mac people, but most companies don't buy Macintoshes, right? If you are more efficient working on your Macintosh, probably something you want to go ahead and consider. Again, medical folks, careful for HIPAA, careful for that kind of stuff. But for the most part, you can invest in your own stuff and use stuff that's better, faster, right? Yeah. It makes you more efficient. Well, we talked about earlier having an assistant. What about having somebody manage your social media accounts? Like who has time for all that crap? But at the end of the day, if you're in one of those industries where posting things on Instagram, sharing it to Facebook, the thing matters and you're either not good at it or don't have the time, hire somebody. There's a whole bunch of cheap people who'll do it. It's too easy. I'm sorry. I mean, they aren't I, cheap people. They'll do it for cheap. I should clarify. Yeah. No, that, that, there's a difference. I mean, come on, Kelly. I, at one point, I think people would have called me cheap. You know, heaven forbid. Not anymore. So is there anything that I, you have seen that I'm missing? I'm going to say this, though, because I do wear a tie. I do usually wear a collared shirt at least. So I think we're, we'd be dumb if we didn't talk about at least investing in your appearance. No, well, hold and on. We're going to get to that in a second. So I, too soon? <laughs> now, give me a second. This is actually in my next segment which is uh, gonna be about things you shouldn't invest in. I wanna save your disagreement, so I think this is awesome, let's go for it. So let's just go right into that. How about things that you should not invest in? And let's just start with the most obvious one, which is car. At some point, what are you really trying to say to me when you show up in a $100,000 truck to give me a quote on my roof? You don't need my business. You already got a big enough truck and you've already got everything you need. Either that, or all the good deals have already been gotten and I'm about to get raped. Like this is not good, right? Yeah, this is bad news here. So there's that quintessential real estate chick who loves to pull up in the SL500 with the magnets on the door. She thinks that that shows she's successful. To me, 
that shows she doesn't have time for me. That shows that she's busy. Granted, she may have an organization, but at the end of the day, I don't want somebody who's so focused on her paycheck. I want someone who's focused on me and my loving the house that I'm in, right? No, and I think even the same thing goes for corporate sales. I mean, I, I will say this. I think sometimes as a sales rep, you have to know when to dial it in or dial it out, right? Back or forward. And I would tell you that the car is one of those things that you're you're in all the time. I remember as a young salesperson, one of my coworkers bought a, a Mercedes. And I remember our sales manager kind of laughing at him. He's like, you're gonna park that thing far away from every office you go to? Yeah. And, uh, and he's like, no, why would I do that? And he's like, cause they're all gonna think you're some jackass that doesn't need their business at this point. Cause you're already doing well enough. You know, you're 23, 24 years old. Clearly you're successful enough. You got your Mercedes at that age, you're good to go. So unfortunately, I think too nice of stuff can go ahead and have that impact on you. But there's a balance though, and you gotta know your audience. Right. Give me that. So let's use the the, the designer clothes. So this is the one you were gonna mm. go into. And, and the, the comment that I was gonna make is that there's a limit, just like you said. And so well, I remember when I started working at Wellbridge, this you know, nationwide fitness company that charged, you know, at the time, $100 a month was expensive. They had right. us all wear ties. And I was just like, whatever, it's fine. I don't mind dressing up occasionally because I was you know wearing workout clothes for the most part before that. And nice. It didn't work. You can't. You couldn't sell health club memberships and ties. Even the customers were like, "Why are you wearing a tie? This is weird." So there comes yeah, a odd. point where you've got to dress for the customer. And if you're seeing right. doctors, I get it. So here's where you're going to jump in and tell me, "Yes, but I need to have my paisley pants or what is it? What do you guys wear?" Look, it's a pocket <laughs> square that normally goes in the jacket. Number one. All right, so if anybody listening right now has good fashion sense for guys, I want you to go ahead and send us an email or go to our Facebook page and go ahead and direct Kelly in the right spot because he's probably helpless as far as I'm concerned or he's not going to listen to me. That being said, I think appearance is important, and I think proper attire is good. Does it need to be Gucci? No. I mean, I'll tell you right now, I've been in appointments before where I went in with, with reps, and I was dressed nice but they were in there with matching Gucci everything. And you knew that the outfit was easily $4,000. That screams, I don't need your business, okay? But having small attention to detail and investing in your appearance as a sales professional does go ahead and take you to another level. Anybody who's seen me in the field in my last career would know that I was known as the rep that always had a different or a unique sport jacket on. I think right now my count is up to 23 of them, which means I have at least one for every working day of the month if I was going to go ahead and wear one each day. But I would tell you that I built my brand just based on my style and the clothing that I would wear. Not so much designer. I don't own any, well, a little bit of Gucci, a little bit of this, a bit. Gucci, if you want me to mention you in this podcast, I need you to go ahead and advertise. That's I'm saying that right now. It's uh, freeplaykelly at gmail.com if you want to send that check. You're welcome. Here's the reality though, guys. It's an investment in yourself. So if we're talking about being entrepreneurial, then that means you're also investing in your brand and your brand is part of your attire. So are you doing enough to make yourself unique in the field, to look different in the field, to give people, I will tell you, people notice me in the offices. It was like, oh, that's the guy that always dresses nice. Or that's the guy that wears a sport coat. But that was an investment in my business, right? That I obviously, and it wasn't a cheap one either. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Um, but yeah, I think clothing is important. You didn't have the douchey uh, Gucci sport coat with the Mickey Mouse stuff on it, and like, it, I mean, it's still a classy. I like that, dude. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I like that's you're talking Gucci or Disney by Gucci, which no. is in their shoes, and they, they're really cool, man. I just, I, I, I don't I have don't, it though. I don't know that we could disagree more. They have all of it. I've seen the, the sport coat. I've seen the jeans. I've seen all of it, the whole thing. You could, you really? could go full Disney Gucci nonsense, and I would literally punch you if you did. 
for the record, I don't love Disney. I just think it's a cool concept, these mashups. Continue on, sir. My apologies. All right. So I agree with you. There's a, there's a limit. There's a place that it goes. And you've got to look stylish. You've got to look clean. Don't have a Gucci shirt on, but it's you know stained or whatever. Like, you know, look the part, yeah. tuck your shirt and whatever. There is, there's one place that I can't go, though, and that's... Uh, that's the not Rolex specifically, but like when you see that diamond studied Pearl Master a on a watch, check, like, like a tag like, or a Richard Milley, fifty yeah, no, grand. No, no, no. What are you trying to tell me? Once again, you don't need my business. You don't care about me. You're just here for the paycheck and the flaunt that you get behind it. You know, I will tell you, I had a rep who I love dearly, and his thing was watches, and I get it. And he would always be like, "This, this is a this, this, this," and he'd be able to tell me all about this timepiece and what it was, and the guy that owned it prior to him, whatever, and it holds its value and all these things. And what he would always hang his hat on is say, like, the customers that recognize it and that notice it, like, notice it, and it's a conversation piece, and people are talking about it, and we're into it, and we're getting into it, right? I I'm so iffy on on the timepiece. I just can't get into overtly gaudy or overtly expensive timepieces that people just know they look at, which is a reason why I don't love brands like Gucci or Louis Vuitton. Things that are that are obviously expensive. I think if you can find a way to have something designer, even a watch, but if nobody knows that it's expensive, maybe just the people who would know would know, but everybody else just thinks it's a watch, I think you're doing yourself a service. Having something with a bunch of diamonds in it, again, once again, you don't need my business. Whatever the margin on that product is, I'm running away and trying to find somebody else at that point. Jackson Jills, I truly want to encourage you to incorporate at least one of these investments into your business, your daily, your monthly, your weekly, annually if you have to. Do something to make yourself better. Invest in your success. You are the only one responsible for your success, and both Paul and I want that for you in every possible way we can think of. Right, Paul? You know, I, I would tell you. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to congratulate anybody listening to this episode right now because you've invested in your sales success by tuning in to Sales Jacks, and I think that's important. So congrats to all the Sales Jacks and Jills. But I guess my question would be this for anybody listening is what are you going to do? Like what are, you, what are you writing down right now as a sales professional that you literally are saying, I could do this better. I could invest in this specifically. Is it going to be a half hour of your time every other day? learning about your business more is it going to be investing your personal time when you could be at home you know watching tv doing something that's going to invest in your business what's it going to be guys i'm challenging you to figure that out and uh, feel free to reach out to us and let us know i'd love to hear not only what you choose but how it works and if it doesn't wow i'm weird i want to hear that too so i do want to hear that as well because hey i've said this before celebrating success is important but we learn from our failures yeah so on that note on our way out today I want you to walk us to the door with a little insight into who you are, Paul. Tell me, when did you know that you were cut out to be a high performer in sales? Was there just one seminal moment or did it just come over time? I knew personally that I was into sales and I was going to do it when I was graduating from high school. I got into college and I said, I am going to be in sales. Everybody kept using these fluff terms. They were going to be in finance or in management. And I didn't understand what that even meant, but I knew that I could sell. And I would tell you that for me, it just was when I realized that I enjoyed understanding what people needed or wanted, and that if I had a way to go ahead and reach that and to go ahead and get them to that, that I could do that. And I would also tell you, it's also when I decided that I was not going to follow in my family's footsteps and become an attorney. There you have it. Good call. I'm proud, I'm proud of you for doing that. Well, hey, look, we have attorneys that are listening to this podcast, and I want to go ahead and thank them for listening as well. But <laughs> my whole family was attorneys. I figured I'd go into sales, which let's be real, guys. Kind of similar. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to wait until next episode to hear my story of when I became a salesperson. But with that, let's skate on out of here. Peace and love, guys. Be good.
Thanks for sticking around, guys. We truly hope that at least some part of what we discussed today will seep deep into your amazing career. Please keep in mind that we do not claim to know everything. So, of course, your experiences in the field may vary, and that is A-OK. But we do know what we've learned with close to 50 years of experience between the both of us in the field. We've cried, bled, toiled, you name it, for all these insights. And we believe that they're going to lead you to a more fundamental understanding of the sales process, sales world, and something that I like to call sales energy. And quite frankly, all that ends up leading to a more complete sales career with hopefully what ends up being a more complete life for you. At the moment, we are not available for consulting or speaking engagements or sales training, but we are considering that. Now, parties and appearances and the like, different story. Call my agent. That being said, if you have a comment, criticism, suggestion, something that you want to get to us, please send me an email to paul at salesjackpg at gmail.com or you can reach Kelly at freeplaykelly at gmail.com. You will also find those email addresses in the podcast details. Happy selling sales jacks and jills. Spread love. See you soon. Replay. Media. Media.